painted picture of how disconnection occurs. And the church is at that pivotal moment right now. Whether or not you realize it, whether or not you have even given it any thought, but the church of Jesus Christ is at a pivotal moment. As close as we get, and the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, you're going to see emerge, amen, another church. Hallelujah. And there's going to be two in this end time. There's going to be the false church, and there's going to be the true church. Amen. The false church is going to be a church that's become unplugged. Amen. To the throne of heaven. The false church is the one that's going to become disconnected to where they no longer. You listen to what pastor's saying today. Hallelujah. Everything in the world that causes of a church is not going to go up in the rapture. How do we know this is occurring? Because we see the signs of the times. We see how things are going today. And I'm going to tell you what, if you even be honest with yourself today, you're going to have to be honest and say that things of God and things of the Spirit no longer move me and shake me as much as it one time did. Bless the quietness. Hallelujah. More and more, the altar service is getting disconnected. We got too many folks that think when the altar time comes, hey, it's time to go home. When the altar call is given, that ain't the time to go home, folks. The altar call is the most important or should be the most important part of the church. Without the altar, nobody repents. Without the altar, nobody gets the Holy Ghost. And it's birthed into the kingdom of God. We have got to get reconnected to what is really important. Glory. Let's talk about Martha's open door. Hallelujah. Martha's open door. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, this is what it read like. Now it happened as they went that entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. There's one thing that's always for sure. That everyone who gets disconnected is somebody at one time or the other has been connected. Amen. It's impossible to get disconnected if you've never been connected. Hallelujah. Martha and her sister Mary had a unique connection with Jesus that other people didn't have. Along with their brother Lazarus, there was a special bond between all of them and the Lord. There is no question that Martha loved the Lord and desired to please and follow him. So she gladly welcomed him into her house, not realizing that her response to Christ being in her home would actually cause 
a disconnection. How in the world? Somebody might say, by Christ coming in to our dwelling could be a source of disconnection. Him being there is not the source of disconnection. The cause of this disconnection is my and your response to his being there. Come on, somebody. You better listen to what the Spirit is trying to say today. Hallelujah. How you respond, amen, in the presence of the Lord will mean whether or not you stay connected and get closer to Him or whether or not there's a disconnect. Hallelujah. It's all in the response. What was it about Martha that caused a disconnection? Luke chapter 10 and verse 40. We're going to go back and we're going to look at that. Luke 10 and verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Listen now to what I'm fixing to tell you. Martha was so busy working for Christ that she disconnected herself from Christ. Did you hear me? Martha was so busy working for Christ that she disconnected herself from Christ by making secondary things the primary goal. And that is what God spoke in my spirit is one of the main issues that many churches are dealing with right now. We got more programs. I'm talking about the church as a whole. We've got more programs and things going on, and we're coming up with more stuff all the time. Amen. Things that we can do here or do that, and we're working over here and we're working over that. Amen. Till we come to the point and place. Yeah, you working. Amen. For Jesus, but are you still connected to Jesus? Everything that we do else, everything else, any kind of program, whatever we add to this or do to that, all of those things are secondary things and should never be placed in the primary position. The primary position should be that, hey, Jesus is in the house, and I, above all, have got to get in his presence. Here's what it boils down to. I can give you what the Word says. I can minister the Word of God. But it's an impossibility for me to create a hunger in your spirit for spiritual things.
I do not care. It does not matter what I preach or what I teach or what else goes on. I cannot distill within you the hunger that you should have for the spiritual things of God. You either have it or the devil has stole it from you. Hallelujah. You either have it or you've let the devil, you know, like a, like a, like a, a child, if you let a child, a little child to get filled up on all kind of junk food to the point and to the place that when dinner time comes around, they're too full to eat what is set before them that is good for them, that will nurture them and help them grow because they are full of cotton candy, come on, and other stuff. And spiritually speaking, a good deal of the body of Christ is the same way right now. Hallelujah. Martha was so busy. And you know what? This is what brings about spiritual burnout. Hallelujah. Spiritual burnout affects a whole lot of people because they want, they want to do this, they want to do that. Amen. And they're working over here, and they're, they're do, doing that to the point in place they get so busy they can't find the time to pray. Come on. They can't find the time to read God's Word. We're in such a rush, as I said a few minutes ago, we think the altar service is, uh, you know, is the benediction. And why? Why can't nobody get filled with the Holy Ghost at their altars anymore? I've been praying about this thing personally myself because it's been so long since we've seen that transpire right here in our own assembly. And, the, and, and God began to deal with my spirit. Hallelujah. I said, well, I, can't, I don't have time to fill nobody with the Holy Ghost. It's when you start singing a song, you got folks already putting their hat on and their coat ready to go out the back door. Hello, somebody. What happened to the days on Sunday nights or even on Wednesday nights? Amen. That the greatest thing in the world, the greatest thrill in the world was to see hungry souls coming to the altar. And I'm going to tell you what, there would always be folks right there at the altar praying with somebody if it took them to midnight. We ain't geared like that no more. Come on. We have got so many other things going on in our own lives, in our natural lives, that we are like Martha. We're cumbered about with so much stuff. We got this load to carry, and we got that load to carry. Hey, what Martha was doing was not a bad thing. That's what trips up so many people. Because they got in their mind and say, hey, what I'm doing for the church, what I'm doing for God is great. But what, what becomes bad about it is when we make that the primary thing. 
because it never was intended to be the primary thing. That's secondary thing. Martha had invited Jesus to their home. She felt like, man, I've got to get in the kitchen and I've got to cook all this big meal. I've got to get all this stuff together because I'm trying. Amen. Jesus and his disciples has been traveling on the road. They hadn't had a home-cooked meal in so long. Hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you what. In the midst of all of that, amen, Mary, amen, was sitting down at the foot of Jesus. Mesmerized by what his words were saying. Hallelujah. Mary could care less about chicken frying in, in the kitchen. Come on, somebody. Mary could care less by the smell of fresh baked bread in the oven. I'm going to get some of you home. None of that was important to Mary. She laid everything and pushed everything else back and put everything else on the back burner because Jesus is in the house today. And I'm going to get from here. I've been battling. I've been struggling. The devil's been coming against me on this side and on that side. Hallelujah. He's been, oh, I've been going through everything. Problems in my family and all these things are happening. Hallelujah. Amen. I ain't going to get away from the feet of my Lord. I, amen. For a chicken leg. Come come on, somebody. I'm not going to get away from the presence of Jesus for a piece of a con pie. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. But her sister Martha, she was so burned down. Amen. We're getting this right and getting that right. Hallelujah. Amen. And the church today is so encumbered by this program and that program. Hallelujah. Calling together AAA meetings. Amen. Because we don't, we're not connected enough to pray somebody through. Does God still deliver? Does God still set free? Make free? Hallelujah. Well, maybe should we wonder if things are not happening that we have become disconnected to that source, to that, amen, that Jesus connected us with? I want to talk. I want to finish up this message by talking about the dangers of a disconnected church. Now, what I'm talking about today, it affects individuals and it affects the whole church as a body. The dangers of a disconnected church. In the book of Revelation, the opening chapters, Jesus told John, I want you to write what you see and what you hear to seven churches that are in Asia. And some may question and wonder why 
those seven churches and just those seven churches because there were many of churches in Asia by that time. The book of Revelation came about somewhere in 90, around 96, 98 A.D., and Apostle Paul had untraveled the world, and there were churches everywhere. But these seven churches, the reason why, one reason why that they were put in the equation is those churches represented seven different periods and church ages that the church would go through from Pentecost up till the end of the church age. And now we get to the that seventh church, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. I want to read this. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would... I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, original King James says spew, but the new King James better depicts what the Greek says. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Think about that. Here is a church that turns the stomach of Christ so much that it makes him sick. Think about that. Hallelujah. He said, Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, no other church period in time in history can say that like the church of today. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich and and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eyesight that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. The Laodicean church, the final church age before the kingdom age, where Christ sets up and rules and reigns on this earth for the millennial period. As I said a few minutes ago, as we as we see that day approaching, we're gonna we're gonna see more clearly. It's gonna be more clearly defined a true church and a false church. I've been reading some articles where some Catholic bishops just recently had a had a conclave, had a meeting. And they've been having those meetings ever since Constantine. Brother Wayne, when Constantine called the Council of Nicaea and the Trinitarian doctrine was developed, 
and people, amen, for the first time, begin to be baptized in titles rather than in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, they've been having some more meetings just recently, Brother Bobby. And this is what they said coming out of their meeting. We've come to the conclusion that we've got it all wrong, that Jesus Christ may not literally come again like we have said all these years. And we know that the Pope has been having conversations with the leaders of Islam designed to combine those true those two religions because after all we all serve the same God. They might serve the same God as the Pope, but they don't serve the same God as this fellow. Hallelujah. Because my God's name is not Allah, my God's name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. These two churches, one of them is the Laodicean church, and more and more denominations. Listen, there was a division made, and a lot of these denominations that come out of her are her daughters, and one by one, those daughters are going to come back in that church. Hallelujah. You ain't heard pastor preach on this in a long time but I used to deal with it a whole lot. Hallelujah. Amen. There's, there's going to be two. And the other one is going to be known as the bride of Christ. One of our Sunday school classes is working, getting ready for the next quarter. And some of the things are getting together. Uh, have you got that on your iPad, that sound, the shofar? You don't have it? All right. They're going uh, to be talking about the shofar and some various things. They found a, uh, a um, audio clip of a shofar being played. And when I heard that, something just stuttered down in me because my mind automatically went back to the day that Gabriel is going to step out on the clouds of heaven and that trumpet is going to blow. Hallelujah. And all his sheep will hear his voice and they're going to be called up to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. I'm looking forward to that day. Hallelujah. But, this lady will see in church age gets to the point in place because they become so disconnected that they're, in God's eyes, good for nothing. I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus looking at me and saying he's no use to me. I don't want God looking at CFC and saying CFC's no longer any use to me because they've they're lukewarm. They're neither cold nor hot. Uh, we've been taught that and we've been preached that many years. 
And for some of you who can remember the last time that I went through the book of Revelation in teaching, I brought out what Jesus was really saying to the Lady of Sin Church. The city of Laodicean, they didn't have any natural source of water. Their city was built in a place where there was no source of fresh water. But because of their uh, commerce, Laodicea was very rich and they could do anything. And so they concocted a plan. You ever heard it said that somebody had more money than had sense? Put that picture up there. I want you to look at that while I'm talking to you. That picture on the screen, if you was to get in a plane and travel to the old ruins of the city of Laodicean, outside the city and running up to the city and going some 70 miles out north, uh, northwest, I believe it was, you would see these aqueducts. They got together and they had the resources and the money. They didn't have, they didn't have, like I said, a um, uh, natural source of water. But there was another town several miles away that had bubbling hot springs that came up out of the earth. And so they built, the people of Laodicea built these aqueducts. They were going to pop in the steaming hot water so they could have their own uh, steam baths. When the water left the source, it was nice and hot. Good, good enough for a good um, uh, uh, sauna bath. But after that water traveled all those miles, guess what the condition was time it got to Laodicea? It was just barely lukewarm. It was not good for nothing. And because the spring waters were, had heavy mineral contact, all this stuff that I, I've gotten, I'm, uh, I've, I've read up and I've studied on, because it was so strong mentally based, it was not fit to use for drinking water. It's no good. It's kind of kind of like years ago, you go down there at Word and Bag and get some of that sulfur water. My dad used to do it all the time when I was a kid. It was the water. They had spent all that money, and what they had done was good for nothing. It was useless. So when Jesus spoke to John and said, you tell the lady you'll see in church this because they're going to look what's outside their city and they're going to know exactly what you're referring to because you're neither hot nor cold. The water that you supply 
is to me no use. And when I put it in my mouth to drink it, it makes me sick enough to vomit. Jesus told the last church age that you become good for nothing because you have come so disconnected from me. You become so disconnected from that source that I gave you in the very beginning. I don't know about you, church, but I don't want Jesus to look at me and say, He's no value to me. He's no good to me. I want to stay dis I, I want to stay connected. Can you say amen? I want to stay connected to him. Let's stand together. We have the baby dedication.